My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. We're doing a post-game edition. Wild lose 4-3 in Pittsburgh tonight. It's Judd. It's A.J. Fredrickson. Uh, plenty, plenty to discuss in this episode. Wild falls uh, behind 3-0 in Pittsburgh, a place they traditionally don't play well. Come back and ties it up at three and then loses on uh, a third period goal by the Penguins. Um, Age, let's start with this, though. And we, we were talking about this briefly before we fired up the uh, microphones. And that is the it's not the penalty kill per se, but now it's the Wilds inability with all the things they've done uh, pretty well under John Hines. Their inability to stay out of the penalty box remains a problem. The stat tonight is the Wild three power plays, no conversions. Mm -hmm. The Penguins five power plays, two conversions. Uh, they've got to find some discipline here. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but, and they, they talked about this on the telecast, you know, the holding the stick penalties like Hartman took in the offensive zone, inexcusable, can't happen. Don't blame the refs. That's your fault. Um, that, that to me is one of the main storylines of things that has to be cleaned up because this team is so badly in need of two points as often as they can get them. Yeah, the lack of discipline for some of these ga uh, games that we're seeing is just, it's inexcusable. You can't have a holding the stick penalty there on Hartman. And on the other side, I do want to say that the interference call against Hartman, where he put his nose, I guess, in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's a discussion you know, for a different point. But th this is now 12 consecutive games that the Wild have had more penalty kills than power plays. Mm -hmm. That's unacceptable in the NHL. You cannot expect to win hockey games consistently if you're going to the box more than you're having the man advantage. Um, and especially when you're going to the box a lot more against a power play tonight. And I know it wasn't the best to start the season, but has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake yep. Gensel, Eric Carlson, Ricard Raquel. I, like it, it's 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 so weird that they think that it may, and they probably don't think, but it's weird that they go to the box as often. And they still are able to fight back. And then immediately, 12 seconds later, Kirill takes a penalty and, hey, power play goal for the Penguins, eventual game winner, Sidney Crosby, who would have thunk that? Um, real kick in the teeth, it feels like you, you go down 3-0, you battle back, and all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, you just put yourself behind the eight ball once again. So um, to see this team keep battling at times, and maybe they just need to start earlier, I think is, once again, the thing that I have been a broken record about is, if you play a full 60-minute game, you probably don't run into these situations where you're pulling the goalie with two minutes to go and you, you need your first extra attacker goal of the season. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the trips to the penalty box need to be an issue. I know John Hines did talk about it prior to the game today. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the words are only uh, – they, really, they only carry so much weight. I want to see action. Yeah, and I just want to see – like, that's, that's the discipline thing that, that still remains a problem. And it, the problem, too, is this, you know – in any sport, if you become a team that takes penalties, you're going to get called for more. Officials are looking for them, um, fair or, or not. Because I'm with you. The Hartman interference call was a weird, like, I didn't see that that part. He got hit in the face. Um, and that could have been, obviously, potentially a four-minute power play. But that being said, I do think there comes a point in time where, where the officials are starting to look for what you're doing when you are taking penalties that aren't disciplined, that are dumb unnecessary and you know when you started the season your penalty kill was a complete mess you need to find ways uh and i don't know if it's a 
what the what the um the remedy is i don't know what they can do but they need to find ways to stay out of the box let's talk about uh kirill kaprizov's game because i actually think we saw some really good kirill like things first of all those moves he didn't score on it but those moves in the slot were cool. stupid that's the kirill that i i long to see and we've talked about this more of um he helped he and Eck helped set up the Middleton goal, right? Which went to Boldy eventually, but they both yeah. won. They both won their portion of a board battle, which would have been uh, to the right of where Boldy was standing. And I thought Kaprizov, I definitely don't see the skating all the time. That mm-hmm. and, and, and we've talked about if he's still hurt from the uh, hit he took against the Jets last season or what might be the case. But I feel like we're inching closer, and I feel like there were some very Krill-like things and opportunities tonight um, that are at least getting us closer. Because, yes, I'm I'm with Victoria there. Um, the finishing touch is still not there, but, I, but we're seeing things that are a lot closer age to what we're used to seeing as opposed to a guy who, for him, was floundering about a month and a half ago. I think that's a fair word to use. Yes, and... I want to say that I do understand maybe the angst and the frustration that some fans feel because you've grown accustomed now for however long it was for the Minnesota Wild to not have that superstar type of player. You got exposed to that. You took a drink out of the cup. It's hard to go back, yeah. you know, yep. but you have to realize that he is playing not at a hundred percent. And the flashes that we saw tonight were encouraging. And it, like you said, we're like a week removed from us talking about this a little bit more in depth, but um, the the handles that he had walk walking around two guys. And that goes back to your point last week, which was the kind of the contortionist body movements that we haven't really seen. That yep. was what I want to see. Those yes, movements is very exactly. encouraging. And it's one of those where it's like you miss out so close on a highlight reel goal that you're going to watch to put God, yourself to bed for the next three months. But um, what a stupid th- move. I mean, how, how did he do it? He went between his legs behind. I mean, I don't even know what he like. I rewound it and watched it twice and I still don't know exactly how he did it, but that was just ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, we saw some other times as well of for anybody saying he doesn't like, he's lost that like fire in him. Look at the last three minutes of that game. He is skating his butt off to track down Sidney Crosby to stop a net goal. I'm glad and he, he didn't up. just track him down. He muscled him off the puck. And I understand Sid, That's the kid true. is now Sid, the adult and maybe Sid, the grandpa, but he, he it's still Sidney Crosby. That's two strong dudes though. Yes, absolutely. Like Crosby, Crosby strong. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, in, encouraging stuff. I still frustrating at times. Um, the turnovers are still, I think a bit of an issue. My, the number one rule that was preached yeah. to me and you know, my, my peewee and Bantam teams growing up was, when you enter the blue line, what's the one thing you never do? Deke. And I see a lot of deking at the blue line yeah. from Kirill Kaprizov. If you hold on to that for another second more, and I know the NHL is a very fast game, so maybe you just don't have the time to, but just hold on to it for a half second more, another half stride, and then make your move. Because then if you do cough the puck up, you're not immediately sprinting back the other way. You have a defender there who's probably inside the zone and feels now reliable to pinch and hold possession in the offensive zone. But um, yeah, it's frustrating at times, but a lot of encouraging sights, I think tonight from Kirill Kaprizov. No Spurgeon again. And and it sounds like he's not on the trip. They play in Boston tomorrow and then it's a quick trip, come home and play um, Montreal on Thursday night. And 
play host to Boston again on Saturday. No Spurgeon, no Brodeen, who's out. I think I think what I heard was that Brodeen told a kid that they were going to, to see in the hospital about a week ago through the grapevine, four to six weeks. So he's going to be like that. That's a month at least. And um, and Zuccarello was a late scratch tonight, upper body. Um, but that gives us a chance for our for it seems like our JHS regular love fest feature. Although I'm a little disappointed, Brock Faber tonight took it easy. He took the night off. He only played 28-18. What the hell's wrong with him? Oh, and here here's a question, H. I got a question for you um, because. I watch go for hockey. I think that you, you might watch it uh, closer than I do. How did Brock Faber not get on the power play there? And I know that Gopher team was an all-star team, but you know, he, he is now basically by, de- and by default being asked to run the power play because like Spurgeon's out, Brodeen's out, blah, blah, blah. Um, Okay. That should change here. I don't care who comes back. Brock Faber is on my top power play. And how did how did Mots go? I know he had an all-star team. How do you not have that? That's the thing that throws me off even more. If it was Don Lucia there and like the old like tic-tac-toe, pretty passing golden goal for hockey that my dad loves to still reference at times, yeah. I understand it. But Bob Motzko, I spent four years, well, three, I should say three years at St. Cloud State covering the team, watching Bob Motzko, getting to know Bob Motzko and his strategies. He had Jimmy Schultz. Will Borgen, John Lazat, manning the power play for them. The fact that Brock Faber, who fits, I think, perfectly, that is his ideal defenseman, didn't once make it onto that power play for the Gophers is insane. Because that is that is like if Bob Motzko, if you did like the like the power puff girls, you, you know, take a little bit of this, sprinkle in tenacity, sprinkle in uh, iron lungs, blah, blah, blah. Yep. That is his ideal concocted defenseman. And the fact that he never threw him on the power play unit there He's is wild to me. He's wild. unbelievable. That shot he, he took, um, I think it was on a power play, third period from the top of the slot. Like he's right by the blue line. Um, that that shot was incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I mean, this guy, everything he does, he's good at. So, uh, which also here, okay. So that was your, that was your once a JHS Brock, Faber Love Fest update. That's off the list. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the bottom half of this defense, though. Uh, John Merrill, who did have an assist tonight, the Letary goal was a John Merrill shot. He plays twelve nineteen. Golagoski plays fifteen fourteen. Um, Hunt plays fifteen fifty two. But long story short, can they not get? a kid up here. Can we, can we not see another, I, I mean, I'm sorry. And I tweeted this, but watching Golagoski <laughs> and John Merrill and they weren't partners. So I'm, I'm not saying that they were, yeah. but watching them play is going to give me an ulcer. And I'm a guy with a podcast on the wild. Um, I can't imagine being a coach, putting yourself through, through that. And, and as the, the wild third period hype man paul tweeted me and he's exactly right like with goose you can see it with goose right like he wants to he was pretty good and like you can see his desire but he can't get to the puck now he's too slow and it's just 
it's really painful to watch at times. And yes, John, John Robinson, John Merrill is a cone. And that's not to denigrate the, these guys. Like back in the day, these guys would have had three to five years left in the in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd rather just watch young defensemen try and work their, their way through the learning curve and who got some speed because you could see that the brain, the brains of the, these guys know exactly what they're supposed to do or want to do, but their bodies just can't do it. Yeah. Um, first off, do you need to update like your emergency contacts? If you want, throw me in there. I'm available. We'll get you to the hospital. Games, if ever needed. Yeah. During <laughs> wild games, I might need you. I might need you. You know what? Middleton between periods had that, that heart rate thing on yeah. when, when Gorg was talking to him, <laughs> I might need one to watch wild games because yes, I oh. have, I, and, and look, I'm not alone. I see it. I see it on Twitter. I see it everywhere. And again, it's not, it's, it's not to denigrate them. They were, they're no. professional athletes. Yes. Goligoski in, in his prime was a damn good player. I remember oh God, that, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's just it's tough, man. This game moves so fast. Once you lose that step, it, it's really hard. It's really, really hard to continue at a level that justifies your existence in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and that like that step you were talking about, it feels like some and some guys I do want to say have that ability to adapt given their circumstances, given their body. A great Chris Letang, for instance. Yes. He's definitely not as mobile as he used to be, but God, is that guy just an engine out there? And he's smart. He knows exactly where he needs to be at all times. Brodeen, Brodeen, Brodeen will probably be like that someday. Yes. Um, but that, that extra step that you lose, it feels like there was a significant portion somewhere in like the early 2010s to where it's like, you know what? The game is faster now. Yes. And if you're not going to keep up, you got to be left behind. You could get away with that in the 2000s. You can get away with that in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s for sure. I'm sure when you grew up watching hockey as well. But like in oh, the year 2023, soon to be 24, Connor McDavid is a person. He's a player. You're playing a couple times a season and he's going to blow past you. He's going to look like a NASCAR and you're a golf cart. Like it's it's crazy that we have uh, some guys and once again, to not to uh make make a make fun at but right a cone in a sense um still professional athletes but hey we got to have a game plan of if you're going to be out there you have to adjust and have some sort of a game plan to how you're going to limit the damage in, in some capacity absolutely all right so i'm i'm seeing uh comments about this so let's talk about this in, in a bigger picture too marcus johansson okay Marcus Johansson, who has some points and he gets some assists and with the guy. And I don't know if if Zuccarello is going to miss one games, two games or two weeks. I have no idea. It just came out. I don't know if he got hurt in practice or he got hurt against the Canucks. And then it was it was something they didn't talk about. But answer me this age. Here's my first Jojo question of the night. When they went, when they were preparing late in the game to go to six on five, okay, Faber was out there as the lone defenseman, and the left defenseman was Marcus Johansson. Then, then when they put the extra guy on, um, they put Ryan Hartman on. So Marcus Johansson, and they used a timeout so that they they could rest those guys, and Marcus Johansson stayed out there. 
Now, I know that they like his entries because he's smooth with the puck, okay? But what's he really done? Like, what difference has he, he made? And then I'm going to throw this one at you as the head scratcher. When they went to show the wild bench during the timeout, when uh, Darby Hendrickson was strategizing with the players, who's sitting to Darby's left, a non-factor, not playing, Marco Rossi. How is Marco, what has Marco Rossi done that Marcus Johansson, other than being younger, where, where on earth do we get the idea, and this is Dean Evason, John Hines, so help me, help me. I don't um, know. I don't know. How, how is this happening? How is Marcus? How is Marcus Johansson playing? I mean, quite frankly, how's Hartman playing? But let's just talk about that. Why is Marco Rossi, again, as Paul says, our guy, Rossi or Freddie should have been out there. He is exactly right. And I'm sorry, I don't think it's Freddie. I think it's. I think 23 needs to be out there in that situation again, where speed is at a premium. And the kid is strong enough now that he can be out there. And you mentioned, okay, maybe they like the zone entries of, of Marcus Johansson. Well, let me tell you, you know, who's got that in his bag and then some Marco Rossi, number 23, this yeah. guy has in maybe now that I say it, you'll notice it more. It's one of those, like, you know, you know, you, you shop for something and now all of a sudden you see everybody has one of them and you thought you were special, but now you're going to notice this with Marco Rossi. He's got this. And it's not patented because a lot of guys do this, but he's got the skill set to do it where he will drive in going what looks like 90 miles an hour. And then he does this hard pivot turn, throws on the brakes. The, the, the defender that has worn down brakes squirts by and he's got time and space to survey the guys trailing, coming into the zone, feed a pass. And the thing is he's got the pass to do it. He's got the eyesight, the vision to do it. So, you know what? There's no reason for him to be on the bench in that situation for a guy like Marcus Johansson. He's able to have the zone entry and then some. He's got the work ethic. And the thing is, he has the track record this season compared to Marcus Johansson, which that baffles me. Why are we not going off of the track record here? Because like you said, what has Marco Rossi not done that Marco uh, Marcus Yo uh, Johansson had? Nothing. Nothing. He's done everything and then some. It... it it doesn't make sense. You said you gave me a head scratcher and I'm going to keep scratching my head because I don't have the answer for you. It, it baffles me. There's nothing that Johansson is going to do better than, than Rossi. There is nothing. And, and at least I can, and I'm not a huge fan, but I can justify Hartman a bit more because he's going to work his ass off. Like, you know, when Hartman's out there, he's going to work hard. Johansson is a smooth skater, but you're right. Um, Rossi is just as good, if not better, on entries. And quite frankly, if Faber's out there, he's going to be the point guard anyway. So, like, that's what I didn't get. And are you thinking that Johansson is 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 uh, more defensively sound there? Because, like, I again, I just don't get it. I'm very, very confused. Um, and to that point, I think if Matt yeah. Zuccarello is in the lineup tonight, he probably is in that spot rather than Johansson. Oh, he's out there for sure. Yeah. So. Like if you're worried about like the defensive aspect should not be a thing because he's smaller, he's weaker, he's like it. He's got a longer stick, sure. That but you yeah. know, at the, yeah, it's it's that is the ultimate head scratcher that I'm gonna lose sleep about tonight. And I want Rossi to play in all of those situations. Like I'm done. I'm I'm past the point of well, he has to learn this or that. No, develop him, develop him, play him. Like you are being forced to play Faber, and what are you finding out? 
oh, Eureka, he's really good. He can handle things we didn't necessarily think. Now, here's my question. Are you going to continue to give him uh, those privileges, those jobs when people come back? Because you should. You know, one of the things, and this is across all sports, is not just a, a hockey thing. One of the things that drives me crazy is the stubbornness of coaching staffs at times and coaches or front offices and thought processes. Um, Marco Rossi is is a little bit like uh, Ty Chandler is. Well, he can't do this yet. He can't do that. Well, no, actually, you know what? It took Alexander Madison getting hurt so he couldn't play till you finally were like okay i guess we got to play him a lot oh, oh he's shucks. good oh he's good and 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 the thing and the thing with rossi is he worked his ass off to be like this like he worked he spent the summer here he is clearly way stronger he was too weak he's not now so yes play him what were your thoughts on on i think what was an attempted controversy but it didn't work the attempted controversy of mark andre Fleury not getting the start in Pittsburgh and Gustafson playing tonight instead when this could have been, and I say this with could have, could have been Flowers' last trip into Pittsburgh if he decides to retire after the season. I'm a romantic in the sense for sports where I would have liked to see it. You know, it's, it's is he probably going to do one of the like one day contracts so he can retire as a penguin whenever that does eventually does happen? Have to do that? I think for a guy like that, they might make an exception like okay. Gary. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel Gary like they have done that because game. Craig Anderson, I believe did that with the senators. Oh, you're right. Good so call. I think you're right. So I know for goalies, they at least make an exception there, but, um, would I like to see it? Yes. But do I think tactically this was the right move? Yes. Um, this t- taking out emotion, and circumstance and looking solely at statistics and playing the hot hand. It's, it's Gustafson. He's been rock solid yeah. since John Hines has taken over. Um, so I can't be mad at the decision. I know the pit, I'll allow the Pittsburgh fans and any Mark Andre Fleury, like diehards out there. And maybe Mark Andre Fleury himself, maybe he wants to be upset about it. And I give him the full right to be, I don't think I, so, but I, that's the thing. I, it was, I don't he's, think he's, he's probably going to think, you know what? That's a bummer. But five minutes later, hey, you know, it, it's fine. So yeah. um, that that's my take on it. Like, it, you you got to go with Gustafson, I think, tonight, um, especially you, a team that needs points at this stage of the season already. You're playing catch up. You got to go with Gustafson. He's been just so good since John Hines uh, took over for Dean Evison. So that it was the right move, although emotionally, my heart maybe wanted flurry and goal. Yeah, I guess I can't complain or I'm not in a position to complain because I complained about the fact that I thought that Dean bent over backwards too much for the players previously. And John Hines does not strike me as a hard ass, but if John Hines is going to say, Hey, um, we don't want to put flower in that predicament. We, we want to play our, the guy who is clearly John Hines top goaltender. I'm not going to complain about it because then it it would be, you know, you can't complain about Dean doing this and Dean doing that and then say, but John Hines, I was surprised at first. And then I gave it some thought and I'm like, it's, it, it's the right call. It's the right call. And they, I mean, they came back and tied it. Um, and, and Gustafson made some very, very nice saves. So, you know, this, this was more in my opinion, just a team loss. And the, this is the type of thing that ordinarily 
this loss wouldn't be a big deal, but it's just that points are at a premium now. And because they fell behind so badly to start the season, you can't dismiss defeats now. That's, that's the thing. You can't dismiss defeats. And the other thing is, while they had won two consecutive games at home against the Flames and Canucks, both of those games went to shootouts. So you're giving up a Western Conference point there, which is not ideal. Like like Calgary is close enough to you that you just want your two points and blank and you want to blank them, but um, yeah, I I thought that that was among John Hind's moves today. I thought that was actually probably a good move. But yeah, and I would guys, say that gives you more confidence in him in the long run, don't you think? Oh yeah, it does for me. It does for me. But these guys starting tomorrow in Boston, you gotta stay out of the penalty box, man. You'll you'll be swept in, in this two game trip if you don't find a way to just be disciplined and nothing drives uh, fans and coaches crazier than offensive zone penalties. Like there's no justification for them. You're doing nothing that's going to be constructive by getting a penalty, at least, yeah. you know, a defensive zone. It might be a save a goal. It, it yeah. might be, it might be a play that's necessary. I don't know, but an offensive zone penalty is absolutely atrocious. And they got way, they have taken way too many of those in this, 11 or 12 game stretch. Yeah. And like you said, when it comes to offensive zone penalties, you're literally in the part of the game where you're trying to score They're Like you are attempting right. to, to play offense. You know, what, what are you doing there? That is, that is in your mind, justifying holding a stick, tripping somebody, hooking somebody. It, it yeah, it's the discipline I think is something that really needs to be assessed. And tomorrow, I mean, I'm nervous. David oh, Pasternak. Boston David Pasternak has, has. You needed tonight's game, in my yes. opinion. Yeah, that that, that would have been a nice like morale boost. But I think going into TD Garden tomorrow, um, it a team that's now captained by Brad Marchand, like David Pasternak, is going to. I I'll tell you right now, well, he's scoring. He's scoring twice. Pasternak is scoring twice. Charlie Coyle might get you too, oh. because he's de- he finally developed. Now, yeah. now, now the infrastructure in Boston superior to here. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a complete shock, but yes, uh, I, I see a comment from let's get it. The wild were missing 19 million from the roster tonight, not including the cap buyouts because of, as we talked about, Burdine's out, Spurgeon's out, Zuccarello's out. And yes, that is a very good point. But here's the thing. We just talked about things that were preventable. Those guys being out has nothing to do with penalties. You took penalties that you didn't need to take. Um, th- those guys being out had n- nothing to do with Joe Hansen playing in the six on five because, yes, Zuccarello would have played, but this should have kicked Rossi up. So, like, there's very little about tonight's loss that, that to me, directly led to the defeat. The two defensemen being out certainly hurts, and and it would be nice to have Goligoski or Merrill scratched, but you know, every team, dude, you got guys hurt. You got guys hurt and you could have, and there were things that you easily could have done to prevent tonight's loss. So I don't know that that's, that's the entire excuse. Yeah. And I, I was, I had a brief conversation with somebody on Twitter about this, where these guys are professionals. So you should understand fairly early in the game. And plus you see these refs more than enough throughout the season to where you have an idea of what their leniency is or is not. You should be able to adjust somewhat on the fly to 
this guy's a little stricter. This guy's going to let the play a little bit go. Maybe I can get away with holding on for that extra second or two uh, along the half wall and kick the puck loose instead of having to immediately come off and create separation. So right, th- this team showed even missing that 19 million, they could play. They tied the game oh, up. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they were in control of this game at one point. They had the momentum in their favor, but it was the penalties that were just so costly that, I mean, it happened earlier in the game that it happened right after you tie the game that you go on the penalty kill and boom, game winner, uh, the eventual game winner, I should say, a power play goal by Sidney Crosby. So yeah, that uh, Caprizo high stick was a killer for sure. All right, age, great stuff. We are done. Um, JHS will be back on Wednesday. Declan, Jesse Pierce, and yours truly will be recapping the um, game in Boston that the Wild's going to play tomorrow night. And then, of course, they're going to come back and play Montreal and Boston here at the X. So plenty to talk about then. AJ, great stuff. Subscribe to all of the good stuff that Score North provides, and we will see you soon.